Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Oh, Mr. Sheffield. It's a podcast about the nanny, a hit sitcom from the 90s starring Fran Drescher. I am Sean D. Pasquale, here with... Torius Sheffield. That's right. And this week, we're talking about season sex, episode <gasps> six. I'm pregnant. So, of course, in the sex-filled season, someone was bound to get pregnant or think they got pregnant, which is basically the premise of this episode. Maggie thinks her boyfriend got her pregnant. Shame. (laughs) Well, no, and as I wrote, is the episode where Maggie thinks she may be pregnant and then there's a lot of um, very, very creepy fathering. Oh my, my, okay, dude. (laughs) This this was one of the few, this is one of the episodes where I like, Elizabeth was with me, so I just put it on and she was in the background and I'm taking notes and there's a scene in this episode where something happens and Elizabeth went, ew, what is this? And I was like, I don't know, dude. I don't know what's happening. It's like, maybe if you found your 14 year old in bed, this would have been Maybe I I could see it happening. But like. I mean, there's so much of this that's weird. All right, so let's, okay, okay. Well, well, let me let me just start by saying this one is written by Ivan Menchel, the little Mensch, and directed by Peter Mark Jacobson. Can I just quickly say, last week I, you said you called him Mark Peter Jacobson, and I didn't even catch it during the original. Oh, did I? Oh, yeah. But we know we know that's idiot. not right. No, yeah, PMJ. I should know that. I, if it's any consolation to Mr. Jacobson, I am slightly dyslexic and also stupid. So, <laughs> and I can attest to it. A deadly combination. <laughs> um. Oh. Okay. okay. So yes. So yes. Uh, written by Ivan Menchel. Yep. Uh, directed by Mr. Jacobson. Um. Gosh, it's such a. F- I love this season. I again. I'm just like I'm loving the directing. I'm loving the content and the writing. Same. It's like a 10 out of 10 for me. Um, I think it's really interesting that we spent so much of this series leading up to this season having heard all of these negative things. The show goes off the rails. It's going to get all weird and crazy. And I got to tell you, now that we're here, I think I like this season 10 times better than I like season four. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Because that was the season where we, we were like, oh, it's kind of like the same thing every week. We're in this mm-hmm. Um yeah. Well, this episode, right. it starts with... Uh, she, Fran is leaving, Sil- leading Sylvia and Yetta up to her mm. old bedroom, which is like, <laughs> yes. which is now like empty, right? Because she sleeps in the master bedroom with Maxwell, and she's explaining that she really wants to turn her old bedroom into a gym as like a surprise wedding present for Maxwell. And then see, see if Sylvia goes, "Good, keep him young and healthy. Men who marry the fine women tend to die young." And then Fran's like, "Why is that?" And then, this might have been my favorite line of the whole episode right in the first second. Yet she like shrugs and she goes, because they want to. This <laughs> is the idea that like they'd rather die than be married to a fine woman. Like, it's a better out. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew you'd like that. I thought that was a great line. <laughs> so good. Um, and so anyway, they, they open the door to Fran's old bedroom. And Maggie is in bed with Michael, her new boyfriend. And, you know, it's like one of those horrific moments where it's like they're caught and and Fran is like. So Maggie is how old? Have we established? She's like 21. 
She's so she, under 20? She says she's 21 in this scene. A mm. few weeks ago, she said she was 20. And then I noticed someone someone in like the comments of one of the things online, and I thought this too, said she would actually probably be 19 based on how old she was when we started the series. Mm. So I think they maybe aged her up a little to like make this seem a Slightly little more, more appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, because she she was like literally like I just turned twenty one. It's like I thought you just turned twenty two <laughs> weeks ago. But either way, so she's so so you know, Fran's like, oh my gosh, like what were you thinking in this house? And she's like, well, I'm just turned twenty one. I'm an adult now. And Fran is freaking out less because Maggie is actually active and more because she knows that if Mister Sheffield finds out, somehow the blame is going to get placed on. her. Her and she knows that you know how Maxwell might react, and 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 you know the the age thing is so silly because it's like she's using it as a defense, like hey, I'm 21 years old, but it's like yes, but if you were a smart, mature 21 year old, you wouldn't be doing this at your father's house when you literally are dating a guy who has a giant palatial apartment in the city. It makes no sense. <laughs> Why would true. you risk oh, this at all? Is... Like, <laughs> well, I guess at that age, you know, when the mood strikes, no, but no that's my point. It. That that actually, and I don't know that that's even bad writing. I think it's a testament to yes, you're you're physically twenty one, but you're not maybe mature enough to be doing this yet, and ha- and having this kind of life yet because you're still making very immature, silly decisions. Like, or like or a, you you could are well. You could argue the inverse, which is Mr. Sheffield is completely in the wrong because there should be a part of him that's like, she's an adult. This is something that adults do. And okay, if it happens under my roof, like that's life, you know, like that is the reality of two young people dating. And I'm not. Uh, Which I agree. I think Maxwell comes off as incredibly puritanical as always in this episode. So I'm not really siding with Maxwell here. I'm just pointing out also a kind of a flaw in Maggie's. Yes, Thinking. for her for her own sense of self preservation, she shouldn't have been doing this, knowing she, the <laughs> yeah. father that she has. But so, but Mister Sheffield ends up walking by because he hears the ruckus. He walks in, he sees them in bed, and it's funny because Yetta and Sylvia are also still there, and they both took a seat on the bed, <laughs> involved like just like inserting themselves. This is in also creepy. Sylvia starts like sits on the bed next to the boyfriend and goes like, "Hi," and I'm like, "Ew, they're naked." <laughs> Sylvia, get off the bed. <laughs> But then Mr. Sheffield, he almost has a heart attack. And we then, we go to the opening credits. We cut back to the bedroom. Now, you know, Maggie's up. She's in a robe. You know, her her boyfriend's there wrapped in like a towel or a sheet. And Mr. Sheffield is just losing it on Maggie. You know, he's like, what were you thinking? How could you have done this? And I was like, wow, this is a little much because this would just be so traumatic for a daughter to like have just been caught doing it with her boyfriend literally naked under the rope and her father is just yelling at her but she's 21 years old like that's and the, the thing. whole the whole family walked in on her <laughs> <laughs> i was just like this is like the nightmare this is the stuff you would tell therapists for years to come um and he ends up kicking michael out and he's like maggie he's, he's like margaret explain yourself and then <laughs> and then Maggie's like, well, Fran said we could do whatever we do in our own apartment here, like when we're here. And then when Maxwell now is like, oh, you did this because Fran told you you could, he becomes even more incensed to the point where he goes, Miss Fine, come with me. And then Fran like looks at Maggie and she's like, oh, now I'm back to Miss Fine. (laughs) Like, great. Like, thanks thanks a lot. Um, We then cut to this sort of like um, ongoing B plot line where 
Uh, Niles is calling. It's a great. Some, this is a great bit. <laughs> it's a great bit. Yeah, he has seen an ad about a car um, in the paper, and he's calling the number, and he's like, "Ah, oh, like, is this the owner of the 1993 BMW? I'm very interested in buying." And then the person on the other end is clearly says like, Ooh, you've got a sexy voice, like describe yourself. And then he's like, Ooh, your voice is pretty sexy too. Like, tell me like, what do you look like? And as he leaves the room, Cece comes in and we realize she's the other person on the end of the line. So they're both kind of like talking sexy to each other without realizing who the person is. And they both are also describing themselves was way more attractive than they are, which is super funny. But as as he walks out, Cece walks in, and then he kind of like catches the tail end of what she's saying and realizes that she is in fact the woman on the other end of the phone, but she doesn't know he's the guy on the phone. So he he definitely like toys with her because we then just we see her go, You want me to do what? Well, okay, if it turns you on. And then she's like, I'm bought by the sale of man. <laughs> and she starts singing the Popeye song in like a <laughs> way. And then uh, when she, and then he literally walks in and like sings the last line with her while he's on the phone. And it like, she realizes like, you know, he, uh, he completely like pranked her. And as they walk out, like arguing, Fran and Maxwell walk in into the office. And I thought that this exchange was actually pretty realistic, right? Fran's like, yeah. honey, you're just upset because you saw it in front of you. But like you you must have assumed that that was happening. And he, I think this is like also fair. He's like, assuming is totally different than actually knowing. Like assuming means you could still be wrong. And then he's like, but this is where I was like, oh man, he's delusional. He goes, please talk to her and tell her she needs to stop. And I was like, stop having sex in their house or stop having sex altogether. Because again, delusional if he thinks that, Fran can convince his 21-year-old to stop having sex with her boyfriend. I know. Um, my God. But, you know, Fran agrees, even though she thinks it's a lost cause, just like we do. And she even goes, she goes, sure thing. And meanwhile, you can take Opie over to Floyd's for a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I went, wow, Andy Griffith reference. What a reference. <laughs> Did you used to? So so I used to watch Andy Griffith growing up, like when it would be on TV during the day. And I liked it. Like, I didn't know it was so completely dated. Like, did you ever watch it? Andy Griffith? No, I'm not 70. I mean, I probably saw an episode or two on like Nickelodeon, Nickel Night, or like one of those channels. I feel like I know the the, the theme song, right? It goes. <laughs> okay. That's it. And who do, who's the little boy who plays Opie? Uh, the great Ron Howard, <laughs> Ronald Steen Howard Howardinsky was his his Jewish name. <laughs> well, um, I so when I was a kid, I would watch whatever was on TV during the day, and everyone let me. So I would I watched like um the Andy Griffith Show, and I didn't really understand it was that dated. I mean, it, it's probably about as innocent as a cartoon, you know. And then I mean, it, it, it felt like I've seen I had seen episodes of uh, Leave It to Beaver two as a kid, and I, and again at the time, it didn't feel any more dated to me than old Brady Bunch or old Lucy episode, like everything from that time just felt like a little dated, but not nearly as dated as it feels now. Yeah, like, that's true. The idealized fifties and sixties weren't as far gone in like the eighties and nineties as they are now where you look back and you're like, what was that? <laughs> no, like truly the fact that I was watching a show where the line, and then you can take Opie to Floyd's for a haircut, like 
yeah, it just <laughs> so it was ancient. Yeah. And I, yeah. but again, very entertaining for a small child. Uh, and then anyway, so but Fran is like calling him out on it, like okay, like I'll try, but like you're being very old fashioned. Um, and then the next scene, we're back at the mansion. And Niles and Cece is now telling, sorry, and Niles is now telling Cece that he really would like to buy her car. Like, what does he need to do to make this whole prank up to her? And then she's like, hmm, could you help someone who needs a workout partner to get back to a size four? And <laughs> like, and then, and then he clearly thinks, you know, that she's talking about herself. And I thought this was a little interesting because he's like, well, what would I need to do? And she's like, well, you just need to, you know. Hold her legs while she does sit-ups, spot her while she does squats, dab dab the sweat off her cleavage. <laughs> and he is actually intrigued by this, even yes. though he pretends to be disgusted by her. And he agrees to it. But then she pulls Sylvia out from, like, the other room and is like, here she is. So now he's got to do all that, but for Sylvia. <laughs> and so he's like, do you think you can get me into these? And it's, like, almost like some sort of, like, workout thong. Oh. <laughs> um, and then meanwhile, we cut to back out- outside the mansion. Fran is sitting outside, like, desperately waiting for Maggie to get home because she wants to talk to her about this whole sex and, like, this whole Michael situation. And then – there's this really funny scene where Maggie gets home and Fran like ushers her in and, and Maggie starts off by being like, Fran, I really need to talk to you. But Fran is like so singularly focused on like her making things okay with her father that she's like, okay, honey, we'll talk about it after. We'll talk about it after. But first you need to just go talk to your father and, um, and apologize. Um, but you know, while you're doing it, you, you really should make sure you you look like the little girl he wants you to be. So while she's talking to her, she literally starts grabbing her hair, putting it in pigtails. Um, she she grabs out a giant lollipop and is like, you know, and when you're done, you should probably skip out while holding a while holding this. And then she like grabs this tiny little coat that probably Gracie wore in like season one and like wants like Matt wants uh, Maggie to like cram herself into it. So just this idea that like. She is trying to, you know, strategically be like, if Maggie goes in and looks like the adorable little girl she used to be and apologizes, like, that's the best way to just smooth everything over and I won't be in trouble anymore. But then while she's doing this, Maggie finally, like, gets out what she's been trying to tell her. And she's like, Fran, I think I'm pregnant. Fran literally passes out face, <laughs> face down, which was the which is the funniest way to pass out. Like like the camera pans out and she is on the floor, like just it's really like really good face planted. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh! Oh, and then we we cut back. You know, probably like clearly commercial break. We cut back and. Fran is like coming to off the floor and she's like woozy. And then she stands up and she's like, Maggie, like, didn't you use protection? And Maggie's like, of course. And she's like, well, you obviously didn't buy quality. That's the one thing you buy retail. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great line. Yeah. Condoms is the one thing you buy retail. Mm -hmm. Um, And she basically drags her out and it's like, you know, you, we need to get you a pregnancy test. But, like, nobody can know about this. But then they realize that Yetta has been there the whole time. And then Fran's like, Yetta, you need to promise me you'll forget everything you just heard. And then (laughs) Yetta clearly, like, looks completely confused. Like, she can't even finish a sentence. And then Fran just goes, I think we're safe. (laughs) And, like, grabs Maggie and pulls her out. Like, like, ooh, Yetta's dementia. Like, for the (laughs) win. Um. 
and then that next yeah, year, that is that dementia kind of, for the win. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but like, th- well, then we have that like very goofy, funny scene yes. where like basically like secret agent man plays. Fran comes into the apartment. It's not the apartment, the mansion. She's wearing like a black trench coat, a black fedora, and sunglasses. She has gotten the pregnancy test, um, and she's trying to like slip it to Maggie. And there's this kind of like very just like fun choreographed like scene where you know it's like she tries to slip it to Maggie but Mr. Sheffield walks in so Maggie drops it behind her back kicks it back to Fran Fran (laughs) grabs it runs up the stairs like drops it down from the balcony then there's Niles like Maggie kind of like pivots and dances away and it it was just like I'm like oh this is this was just a very creative um silly way to like um have this gag happen right because it could have easily been like just like take it. No, you take it. No, you take it. And then like, you know, they run up the stairs, you know? Um, <laughs> but it was fun. I was, again, like creative and like, you know, they, they also seem to just, again, like have a little more creative license by season six, you know? Yeah, it was great. They, they did like, they played like spy parody music to it also, which I thought was super fun. You know, it was like, mm-hmm. it sounded like a uh, 007 or yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, whatever you want, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever just stop it. leave whatever. me alone just leave me alone okay, go ahead. yeah um well yeah. then we cut to fran and maggie in the upstairs yep. bathroom we do and there was huh we do <laughs> oh <laughs> in this bed <laughs> i like this scene you know we got to fran and maggie in the upstairs bathroom and it's a super sweet scene um because it, it was very authentic and it really yeah. was like i think important to to add some add this right for the emotional stakes Maggie like tells Fran that she's like really scared. She's just, you know, cause they have the test, but she hasn't taken it yet. And Fran gives her a big hug and she's like, you know, whatever happens, you will not go through this alone. Like I'm here for you. And then <laughs> this scene, this little like scene that's happening at the same time killed me. Cause outside the bathroom door, cause like not, uh, C, sorry, CC had knocked on the door and they were like, we're in here. So then we just see CC outside with Niles and they're still arguing about the car. And it turns out she clearly has sold it to him. But Niles is super unhappy and he's like, I want my money back. It's a piece of junk and it smells like an animal died in the trunk. And CC goes, she goes, oh no, he's at the vet. It's an actual moment where yeah. she thought she had left Chester in the truck. <laughs> like, her relationship with that dog, one of the highlights of this show to me. Yeah, agreed. Um, and then uh, this part really just it kind of infuriated me because so then, yeah. you know, Cece and Niles kind of wander away, but then Maxwell knocks on the door and Fran's like, I'm in here. And then he's like, Ooh, well, like, why don't you let me in? Because I kind of wanted to finish what we started earlier because they had kind of been really flirty. And I was like, dude, ladies in the bathroom, like, she could be going number two. Like, just leave leave someone alone when they say they're in the bathroom. You know, don't try to walk in. <laughs> right? Like, seriously. And, she, and, then, and, then, and then she's literally like, uh, no, like, we're us. And then, and then he hears Maggie is also in there. And then he gets like, I think, unrealistically and bizarrely suspicious right away and then he's like what are you doing in that what's going on let me in and i just wrote crazy like absolute <laughs> like if this is yeah. how mr Sheffield unhinged yes. unhinged behavior it was just like they they said they needed some privacy they could be doing a million things that require privacy like you don't just storm in on people in the bathroom if this was like his normal like 
personality, I'd be like, like justice for Fran because she's married to an incredible, <laughs> like an emotionally abusive nut. But I, but, but what I really think is happening, and this is like, this is always a pet peeve of mine in, in sitcoms where they, where people don't make realistic choices to their character in order to serve the plot line. Because normally Mr. Sheffield would have tapped on a bathroom door. And if someone had said like, oh, I'm in here, he probably would have been instantly humiliated and run off. <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> yeah. He would have been like, oh, yes. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, dear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. That's a really um, good point. <laughs> he probably would have. But I mean, hey, but maybe he feels very entitled to his children's space, which is which is also very realistic to parents. Like, I think there's a rough transition um, with a lot of parents where it's like they're used to literally having complete ownership of their children's space and their children don't have privacy because there's a long period of time when you're raising children where it's literally they are like, hey, can you come in and wipe my butt for me? Right. Yes. Or yes, like the children absolutely. are watching you pee or all this stuff. And then suddenly your children get to that stage of development where like they want their space and they want privacy. And I think the idea for some parents that like, they just can't walk in on their children whenever they see fit is like a bit of a mind F. Um, so may maybe he still just is thinking this is my, this is my little 11 year old. And when I think something weird is happening in the bathroom, like I'm going to bust in, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but so he sees the pregnancy test. Yep. He he definitely. <laughs> we don't actually see him lose it. We what, what like uh, Maggie walks out of the bathroom. They slam the door behind, and we just hear like vicious screaming. But like it's sort of in like you can't even make it out. It's like da -da 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 -da. and then she's like da -da 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 -da. and then Fran just comes out with like a serene smile, and she's like, "Okay, honey, uh, your father wants us to make you a gynecologist appointment." <laughs> um, and then. Oh, and then we get a great scene with one of my favorite character actresses. Yes, who's been in the in this uh, show before. Yep. Although, yep. you know what? Her name is suddenly escaping me. You know her name. Nora Dunn. Nora Dunn. Great, Nora Dunn. Okay. The great Nora Dunn. Yep. Yes. Uh, who was an SNL alum, an incredible character actress. And she's one of those, um, she's one of those actresses where other comedians like speak incredibly highly of her. Like mm -hmm. they, like um, if you listen to the SNL castmates who like were there with her at the same time, and these are, you know, to be frank, these are a lot of people who um, are usually kind of sexist towards female comedians. Like this is like the Dana Carvey, like David Spade years. And they'll mm -hmm. just be like, Oh my God. They'll be like, she was, she was like, just the funniest person I've ever met. Ever. Life, yeah. You know? Ever. Um, so. Yeah. And she remains great. She pops up and stuff even to this day. And like, mm -hmm. she, and, she remains great. Yeah. Yeah. And so she plays this gynecologist and it is, I was like loving what they did with this character. Cause I guess they do this all the time where for some reason they make the most hilarious doctors. Like, I don't think there's been a single doctor on this show that hasn't been like a laugh out loud character that has only been there for like a few scenes in an episode, but is like always the highlight because they get this gynecologist's office. It is like so specifically decorated. It's almost like, it's like the, the like 
most stereotypical version of like what a she shed would be like it's like frilly pink candles like roses like they made this like womanly the stereotypically like womanly oasis and i was like man i actually would love it if the guy call just looked like this it is so soothing and cozy and she literally like there's this tray of cookies shaped like mydol and the doctor is like it's dr reynolds she's like oh, I bake when I'm stressed. And then there's like these beautiful silk robes to get into. And she's like, oh, I paint silk on the weekends. And like, she's just like this like crafty, like quirky lady. Um, and so she basically is like, don't you worry, Maggie. Like, you know, we'll do all the necessary tests. Like you go get into this robe. So Maggie steps out and Fran sits down with Dr. Reynolds and and then she sees this photo this this line oh my god she sees this photo and she's like <laughs> this is great she's like dr reynolds is is that you with hillary like meeting hillary clinton and dr reynolds is like oh yes she comes in once a week and fran's like isn't that like a bit much and she goes wouldn't you if you were married to him and i was like oh my god hillary has to go in once a week for std testing that is sad that's like i mean the idea that the idea that this woman has to go get tested constantly because <laughs> he's married to bill clinton yeah like, what a, a, a weirdly dark joke it's so dark so oh so it's such a dark joke <laughs> um and then Maggie comes back in and I guess she's mm -hmm. like taking the initial test, but it takes about 20 minutes for the results to come back. So while she's there, Dr. Reynolds is like questioning. It's just like asking Maggie about any potential symptoms. And she's kind of like, have you felt fatigue? Have you felt any cravings? And what's becoming clear is that while Maggie has not been experiencing any pregnancy symptoms, Fran has. Cause uh -oh. Fran keeps being like, yeah, Fran's like, well, I know I've been so tired since I got back from the island. And yeah, you know, it's so funny, Maggie, even though you haven't been craving things like I've had this and this, and it's just kind of like um, becoming more and more clear that someone else might be pregnant here, right? And the test comes back and um, it, it, the, the like doctor's like, Maggie, like you're officially not pregnant. Um, and then I thought there was this very, there's very realistic moment where Fran like kind of grabs her into a hug and it's like, honey, remember how this moment felt like, because, you know, she's like, you're so lucky. Um, but just like, please think about this moment the next time you have sex, <laughs> basically like be incredibly <laughs> careful. Um, and then the doc, which, and then, you know, which fair. Yes. Yeah. I think that is like probably the, the best way to do it. Like the thing is, Fran did really did not shame her at all. She was, she was an excellent mother throughout this whole thing. Right. Yeah. It was very, she was very understanding. It was very like, you know, um, I'm here for you no matter what happens. And, and, but again, like, here's the, here's the reality of this. Like this is this, these are the real life consequences of what you know what happens sometimes so so just like remember how scared you were and then how relieved you felt um i was also kind of like mm, i guess well actually i'll i'll make this point later um but okay so then maggie runs out to call michael and tell him um and but then the doctor is like fran can you sit down a moment i kind of want to talk to you about something and and it becomes clear that now fran understands that it's the doctor suspecting that she might be pregnant, right? Um, and we then 
kind of put a little button on that. Uh, we go back to the mansion and put a button on that, like, BMW <laughs> Niles and Cece thing where basically uh, Niles has paid someone to claim they want the BMW that's parked outside and that, you know, tell Cece he'll pay double. So that incentivizes Cece to buy back this pile of junk from Niles and all is well. Um, he has outsmarted her as usual. Um, but <laughs> then, okay, so that's just like the little setup to ground us back in the mansion because Fran yes. comes running in. She's super excited. She's like, where's Max? Where's Max? I need to talk to Max. Um, you know, I need to talk to him right away. And, and so then um, Maxwell comes in and he's like, hello, darling. He's like, and she's like, I have wonderful news. I have wonderful news. And he's like, oh, I know. Like, you know, Maggie phoned me from the doctor's office. It is great news. And she's like, no, no, no. It's something else. Something else. She's like, you need to sit down. I, and and he gets super, she's like, you know, literally wants to, to just like blurt out, I'm pregnant. She's so right. happy. She's so excited and exuberant. But then before she can, he's like, oh, I'm so relieved, you know, about this Maggie situation. Cause you know, <laughs> the last thing we need is a baby in this house. And, and he's like, cause you know, and well, she's like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, well, I would obviously want Margaret to finish college. So, so that would mean we'd be raising a baby right now. And in my, I just wrote, I guess abortion just didn't exist on network television because no. until this moment, like I didn't fully <laughs> realize that like when, when, when Fran kept saying things like whatever happens, like, I'll be by your side. I thought that that meant like whether she's pregnant, whether she has a baby, whether she has an abortion, but that is like, they make it very clear. Like that was never on the table. That was not an option. She was going to have this baby or not. Uh, (laughs) Which is is also probably why they were like, uh, she's definitely 21. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, But, but so then, um, Oh, so, so Mr. Sheffield's like, well, you know, cause we, then we'd be having to, to raise a baby and like that just would be awful. And she's like, yeah. well, well, what do you mean? And he's like, and he's well, like, Oh, there's nothing I want. Like he like really like layers it on. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. Where he's like, we just got married. I want you all to yeah. myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's like, if I had a baby right now, it would literally kill me. <laughs> it just, yeah. It would just, just literally like if you came in super excited to share news, and this is what you were hearing. It completely, <laughs> it completely the- deflates her. Yeah, yeah it's sad. And, and then, and then he's like, "Well, anyway, darling, like, what was it you wanted to tell me?" And she kind of takes a beat, and her which her, is a classic sitcom moment too, like yes. shitting all over the thing, and then being like, "Oh wait, so what was that thing you had to say?" <laughs> that never happens in real life. That's another one of those things that, like, has that ever happened to you where, like, you came in to tell someone something and then they told you, like, the exact opposite of what you were going to say and then you were like, um, nothing. Oh, wait. Oh, my God, though. I wanted to uh, just brief aside for everyone. So do you remember – you've said this, like, like, maybe, like, several seasons ago now where Uh there was uh, sort of, like, everybody out – yeah, yeah, yeah. You. yeah. And you were like, you said that same thing. We were like, that is, when does that ever yeah. happen in real life? Where like someone walks in, there's a group of people in the room and yeah. you're, like the, the person's mad at one person. It's like everybody out. And that one person tries to slink out and they go, <laughs> not you. And we were like, ha ah, that never happens. Well, I think I already told you this when I yeah. was watching Oppenheimer in theater theaters, yes. which is a very serious movie. Yes. You told me. <laughs> that happens in a scene. Yeah. 
where Josh Hartnett is like incensed and he runs into this room with all these like, you know, academics and he's like, everybody out. And then Oppenheimer tries to slink out like, like the father of the atomic oh bomb. And he's like, not you. And I, I literally like almost burst out laughing. Well, it's very quiet. I guess here. that just, dis- I guess that disproves my theory because Oppenheimer is based on a true story. So clearly that really yeah. happened in real life. Yes. <laughs> But it was very funny oh, to me to see that in a non-sitcom so situation. Uh, but anyway, you're right. So, so you know, now... Uh, so she's way- heartbroken. Fran yeah. is, like, crushed. Well, and, and we I get... Yeah. I was going to say this is such... A, it was a very great uh, acting moment for Fran yeah. Drescher. Like, her, her eyes... They, they She doesn't cry, but you can tell she's upset and... Yeah, and you can just, see the light drain from her eyes. Like she does yes. a really good job of being like full of like light and joy. And then he tells her that and she's trying not to show it, but you can see like internally, like everything deflates inside of her. It's really well acted. Yes. And then he's like, well, what was it? And she's like, uh, that, there's a, I think she's like, there's a shoe sale at, at Bloomingdale's. Yeah. And then he kind of like laughs and gives her a hug. Like, oh, you're so adorable. Like that, mm-hmm. you know, that's what you wanted to tell me. And, and she just has this look of like, what am I going to do on her face? Because yep. um, she's also not allowed to have an abortion. <laughs> well, she doesn't want one. That's the oh, point. Oh, right, right, right. right. <laughs> um, she, wants, she wants her husband to be excited to have a baby with her. Um, and then this then we cut to the button and this button was just so cute it like it wasn't was cute. Even, yeah it was like not even really like supposed no. to be like hilarious it was just sweet so gracie and yetta they're in the kitchen having a snack and gracie's like oh yeah you know everyone treats me like i'm a baby they don't tell me anything because it's clear <laughs> that like she knew something was probably going on in the house this week but like wasn't really let in on it and then Yetta's like well you know at my age people tell you things and then you forget. And then and then Gracie, Gracie being the wise little girl that she is, she's like, I'm sorry, that, that must be really hard. And then yet is like, sometimes, but sometimes it's a blessing. I get bad news, and 10 minutes later, I'm on top of the world. And then and then, you know, Gracie says, like, you know, thank you for giving me something to look forward to, Yetta. And then, which was sweet. And then and then Yetta's like, I wish you were my great granddaughter. And Grace is like, <laughs> I am. And then she's and yet is thrilled again. Yeah. Because she had forgotten and then she got good news. And it's like it was just and then they kind of like like hug. And it was just sweet. Very unnecessary, but sweet. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was a good little button. I mean, it was smart of them to end on an uplifting note because the to be continued moment right before is just like kind of a downer and kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. So, oh, I guess I forgot to even say that. Yes, it ended yeah. on to be continued, right? Um, yeah. Fran is heartbroken. She, he's like, "What did you have to tell me?" And she's like, "Yeah, there's a sale." And then it just says very ominously to be continued, and you're like, "Oh no, that's sad." Mm-hmm. What now, if we every- did not? We did not. Someone on Twitter said, "Hey, this is a two-parter, so you guys might want to watch both before you record." Uh, we, I did not see that until well after we had already started recording, so uh, we did not. I, I didn't watch both. You watched both. Well, and here's the thing, though. So I don't know the what ne- happens next. Well, here's the thing. The next episode also ends on to be continued. So mm, so we sort of, we'd, wow. we would have been in a trap regardless. This is our first three-parter. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What this is like a every- movie. This is like a nanny movie. Oh, my gosh. Well, I was going to say, what if every single episode of a sitcom ended with to be continued? Because technically it is. <laughs> like. 
<laughs> well, every episode of every show should end with to be continued. Oh, that's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> or it should be considered the series finale. Yeah. <laughs> like if I don't see to be continued at the end of something, I turn it off and never watch it again, assuming that it's over, which is why I've only yeah. ever seen the pilot episode of most TV shows. <laughs> I'm like, well, that was a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> Weird that it was only an hour, but okay. <laughs> I liked those people. Wish yeah. there was more. Uh, um, all right. Well, listen, it's time to get into segments. Now, as you know, I've been doing a new segments theme every single week. I was trying to thematically match them up to the to the mood or something in the episode. Um, I had already picked out the segments theme before I watched this episode. Uh, and so um in this kind of dour sort of sad ending of an episode uh segments and now segments are we ready for segments we are so ready for segments let's go um segments? all right so segment time segments mm-hmm. should we move on to our segments um, should we get into our segments? Segments uh, with Sean and Toria. <laughs> oh my god, I think that's my favorite one yet. I love that one, Sean. It was so. It was just like there's so much ambiance. There's <laughs> so much ambiance. It's like, like I'm also like I. I just funny how much music like takes you to like visuals because i'm like oh my god this is like it's like part breaking bad to me it's part um what was that new uh the new zombie show with pedro pascal yeah it's a little last of us the last of us stone yes yes like i was just imagining like us yeah like in cowboy hats rugged terrain like us (laughs) podcasting out on the like as uh, on uh, by the buffalo uh, us us podcasting riding horses <laughs> <laughs> yes but also like some like real dramatic beats thrown in there too like you know yeah, yeah like 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 you with a uh, a wound and me pouring alcohol on it because <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't have modern medicines <laughs> oh my god but no what if it was like us on the horse like pedro and the little girl but we were podcast <laughs> But it's me. But it's me behind you with my arm yes, wrapped around you. Obviously, obviously. <laughs> I'm like, take us home, Dad. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like pushing off, uh, you know, people that are trying to hurt you. Clickers, and then, oh, clickers. But then, all, then like rolling on the floor and then trying to grab the mic so we can keep podcasting. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> okay anyway uh, i excellent. hope people are enjoying these themes man otherwise what a waste of this final season if every episode there's people go just going like these themes suck i know well i bet and i hate just- their riffs <laughs> I know. that's the thing is they're also then subjected to our conversation about the theme every week yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway so fun i loved it i loved it i want to hear it again. we're doing it for us oh yeah well you'll hear it uh let's get through these segments so yeah. favorite lines and moments um I don't have many, so I'm going to go first because I didn't really have a ton of one-liners. I did like, 
I did like uh, Nora Dunn um, saying, I, uh, talking about like having a weekend job and going, I print on silk on the weekends, which I thought was a really funny. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. That's what she does. Um, and then I didn't bring this up in the discussion of the episode. This was not a favorite moment. This was a least favorite moment. Why on earth does Fran infantilize Maggie by putting her in pigtails and giving her a lollipop and telling her to skip in to apologize to her father? What is that? (laughs) That was the scene that Elizabeth went, ew, what? Because Fran just wants to not be in trouble anymore. Yes, but why would the answer be to ask their grown daughter to put on little pigtails and lick a lollipop? And like, why? Because, well, she explains it. The the fastest way to Mr. Sheffield's heart when it comes to his children, especially his daughters, is like, you know, oh, she's just my little baby. I can't be mad at my little baby girl. (laughs) Which, sadly... I think a lot of fathers, a lot of fathers works. feel that way. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, man. like, how could I be mad at my little baby? <laughs> it's just messed up, man. It was like, I couldn't imagine, imagine like, <laughs> it's just crazy. Imagine Elizabeth and her dad got in a fight and I was like, all right, baby, here's what I think you should do. <laughs> Put your in some pigtails. Um <laughs> I mean, I so put on the schoolgirl outfit and just go over and be like, "Daddy, I'm so sorry." (laughs) The thing is, I like I have many friends who are like female friends who only wear pigtails around their father. No, no, what you know, but like we, you'll joke how it's like you're like it doesn't matter how old you get, like your daddy just wants you to be a little girl. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I it's it's true of mothers and sons. I mean, to this day, my I mean, dancing with my mom at my wedding, she leaned into me and she went, Oh, you're not a little boy anymore, I guess. And I was like, Mom, I'm 42. I haven't been a little boy since uh, like the mid-80s. What? Yeah, I mean, I think I think uh it's there's a lot of things that seem absurd probably until you actually experience the 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 pleasure but heartbreak of watching your kids grow up and, and not be yours anymore like there's I, there's a lot of like really interesting essays or poems or quotes on like the experience of uh, at least with motherhood I don't know about fatherhood but I read mm. it in the context of motherhood where it's like when you have a baby, it's like suddenly the whole purpose of your life is, you know, feeling connected to this thing and this thing needs you and and this little life is completely dependent on you. And then you're supposed to, like, you're doing a good job if this thing that you literally, like, would die for and is the center of your gravity starts to move further and further away from you. Like that is that you've done a good job. If this thing starts to become independent, stops needing you, stops wanting you around all the time. And for a lot of people, it's, it's very hard, you know, to, to be like, Oh yeah. Like I would spend every day hanging out with my kid because they're like the center of my life. And the reality is they're healthy if they don't want me around that much, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. or don't need me. Right. That means I've done a good job. And, and I'm sure there's plenty, I'm sure there's people where they're like, finally, my kid's out of the house. But I think a lot, I think, you know, there's people who experience the opposite, which is sort of like a lot of nostalgia, a lot of just, you know, wishing their kids lived with them forever. 
So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess we you don't know till you become a parent, huh? Yeah, you sound um, like you're going to fucking hate your kids. Yeah, I'm going to despise them. Um, so what were your lines and moments? Did oh. you have, like, specific ones? Oh, yeah. So I loved when um, Fran asked why men who marry the fine women die young. And Yetta goes, because they want to. Um, I loved Cece for a second thinking she had left Chester to die in her car. Um, there was this line when um, Fran's at the gynecologist. And she goes, wow, this is a lot nicer than my gynecologist's office. But then again, how do you give a form of car wash glamour? <laughs> and uh, the doctor who keeps like sort of like unveiling like more and more like like things like, you know, um, amenities at her office, like the cookies and the silk robes. And she goes, oh, and while you wait, I have videos of the Lilith Fair <laughs> instead of. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> very funny. And then I really love that uh, Fran. Instead of saying she has nausea, she calls it nauseousness. Oh, yeah. Ever since I got back from the island, I've been experiencing some nauseousness, <laughs> which is just funny. So, and then, uh, and I, I just love Fran being, uh, for the most part, um, a very supportive mom throughout this. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, Yiddish. I didn't clock any. No, there was no time. There was no time no for Yiddish. Time. No time. Um, that's the next James Bond movie. No, no time, time for, for Yiddish. Yiddish. <laughs> and then it's just uh, the blowing of the chauffeur. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's the whole movie. <laughs> uh, but okay, so for Nanny Trivia, very short and sweet. This was the first episode where we see the upstairs powder room. Yes, finally. I've been waiting six years to yep. see the upstairs powder yep. room. So now we've got that we've got that terrace set. We've got an upstairs powder room set, which I'm wondering, are they going to use that again? M many of us in the fandom didn't even believe it existed, but we've been proven wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and then for the yep. Fran or the Cece or the mm. whoever, who did you mm -hmm. relate to? Well, as you pointed out, I'm going to be a terrible father. So, no. <laughs> so I relate to Mr. Sheffield. Um, honestly, I, I sort of related to Fran here in in that um, I also desperately want to have a baby. Um, and and that if this were if this were me in this scenario, I think I would have definitely been – I would have handled it more as Fran did than more as Mr. Sheffield did. And um, – I would have encouraged an abortion. I, I think she's too young and they're not married and they're not even sure, like they're not even engaged, but, but it's, it's ultimately would have been Maggie's choice too. So I think had Maggie pushed back and been like, Hey, I don't believe in this or I don't want to do this or it's important. I don't do that. Then I would have as Fran been like, okay, well then I'm here for you, I guess. And you know, I guess we're all going to raise a baby together. Yeah. What can you do at that point? You know, you can't. Mr. Sheffield's insane. What, what's he going to cut his daughter out of his life? Like, it's a crazy response he's having. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, it Very sounds short, like you- Short-sighted. It sounds like you might have encouraged her to have the baby so that you could have raised it as your own. No, I want my own baby. I don't want to raise my daughter's baby. I'm not <laughs> psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not my mom? <laughs> no. Stop. My, my mom used to be like, Tori, if you- if you ever get into trouble, she used to call it that as even though I was a grown woman, she's like, you know, I would, I would take care of that baby. And I'm like, oh, great. That's, 
Great. Great. That's, that would be wonderful. Cool. <laughs> So for me, oh, this was a this was a tough one. I, I saw myself in a lot a lot of people. I, I'm sure there would be a, a very irrational part of me that would be irrationally mad that my child was having sex in my house. I'd be like, why did they have to do it here? Why can't they do it somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Um, they're also I, I I could see myself being the Fran or the Maggie, just depending mm-hmm. on the day. Like I think sometimes I I'm probably like even to this day I'm like dodged a bullet this month <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then other times like you know especially because it's like yeah uh i don't know if our listeners know but like my best friend is having a baby due in january and she doesn't you know, know who the father is <laughs> um <laughs> might be her husband jack but we're not Maybe. sure we don't know. No, but so so she's having a baby and you know there's there's since since this has all started happening there's a part of me that's like well what if like ooh, like wouldn't that be fun like you know we push our yeah the two of together. you could raise your babies together that would be so cute that's yeah, always the so, future i envisioned for you and, and and monica i know so it's like i definitely you know there's a part of me that then you know thinks a little further and is like oh no that would be bad like i'd be in financial <gasps> ruin <laughs> no, um, but what if what if we what if we also do it and then it's <gasps> you me and monica because i'm a stay-at-home dad and we all just hang out and like raise our kids together that would be a blast we'd have so much fun but so the prob- much fun dude. the problem is i don't have a a breadwinner <laughs> so yeah, I you got the-, the pizza man you got a dough winner baby <laughs> <laughs> He's got all that dough. He's that dough daddy. He's the yeah. Um, but so my life would be would fall apart pretty quick. <laughs> mm. Yeah, but it would but, give something Monica and I to talk about. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, okay, we'd be, I'm sorry. We'd be able to gossip. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it tragic, Tori's situation? Uh, so sad what's happening. <laughs> um, all they, all, all right. they feed the baby is pizza. It's all they can afford. <laughs> But okay, so that was an episode. Yes. Uh, everybody, what are your thoughts? This was a loaded, jam-packed app. And, it was. Um, we we went for a long time, but I felt like a lot happened. And so much so that they made it into a three-parter. So this is a big story to tell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited. Yep. Everybody, you know where to find us. Oh, Mr. Chef Pod on Instagram and also Twitter, now X. Mm-hmm. You can email yep. us. Um, well, Mr. At, Sheffield podcast at Gmail. Oh, Mr. Sheffield podcast. Um, also, we've got our merch up. I shared mine on yep. our Instagram so you can see it, but the shirt comes in all different cuts and styles and colors. So just the one mm-hmm. that I have on isn't the only one you can choose for sure. Yeah. In fact, I got a zip up hoodie and they give you the option of putting the image on the front or the back. So I put the image on the back. Um, and then I also bought a hat in black with our logo, with our show logo on it. So I'm very excited to get my items in the mail. And yeah, you can check it out. We're going to just donate anything that we do make uh, to the actor or the entertainment community fund to help uh, out all of our friends and family on strike. And uh, if you want to do that or just want to check it out, you can go to omrchefpod.redbubble.com and check it out there. It's also in the link uh, on our bio um, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and I think I think that's it, Tori. Are you ready to hear this theme one more time? Yes, I'm All right. begging. Bye. You. Goodbye. And Stop. now, segments. I'm going to light a cigarette. Are we ready for segments? <laughs> we are so ready for segments. Let's go. Um, all right, so segment time out on the range. Segments. Mm-hmm. 
Should we move on to our segments? Um, should we get into our segments? Segments uh, with Sean and Toria. <laughs> Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, Miss Fine. 